And one of the things which I think ideas a lot of people have is that there is a, um, a kind of a divide between the sacred and the secular. So I think a lot of people have got a, a box in which they put, you know, prayer goes in that box, reading the Bible goes in that box, um, you know, going to church goes in that box, and then everything else in life, you know, going out to work, your family, um, uh, all of the other, the, the shopping, you know, the, the sort of the normal things of life go in the other box. And, you know, we keep the two things apart. You know, we've got a box with all of this, the sacred things in and a box with the secular things in. And the two things that ne- you know, near the twain shall meet. And I think that is how a lot of people just, just think. That is how a lot of people kind of go, go through life, that there is this divide between sacred things and, uh, and secular things. And I think what the message is of, of harvest and of Psalm 65 is that there is no such divide. There is no such divide between the sacred and, and the secular. Let's have a look into it, Psalm 65. Um, so it, he starts out, David starts out in these first three verses talking about um, God's goodness and God's goodness in, in salvation. He says, um, praise awaits our God in Zion. He talks about our vows, you know, the religious sort of duties. Uh, he talks about God who answers prayer. And he talks about forgiveness. So you think, ah, it's a, it's a, it's a psalm all about God's goodness in, in spiritual things, isn't it? God, God's goodness to us in salvation. And then he, he throws a curveball and said, um, we are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. Hmm? Does, does he start talking about, about physical things and talk about a temple? What's he doing? And, and, and this is, this is the, the really important biblical insight, which is um, very different from how um, you know, the Bible sees things from how everyone else sees it, which is that the whole, the whole world is God's temple. The whole world is God's temple. Psalm 19 verse 1 says this, uh, the, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Now, the whole heavens are made by God for his glory. The, the, the universe is God's temple. And we don't, you know, we don't have all the time. There's a huge theme about this going through the, the whole Bible. We don't have the time to draw it all out now. Um, but all of the earth is made for God's glory. And that's a really important biblical insight which David is, is giving us in Psalm 65. And so he moves on in this, in this next, uh, next little bit, verses 5 to 8. He says, verse 5, you answer us with awesome and righteous deeds. And you think, ah, there we go, David, you're talking about spiritual things again. But then in verses 6 to 8, he goes on to talk about creation. He said, you form the mountains by your power. Uh, you still the roaring of the seas the turmoil of the nations, the whole earth is filled with your wonders. So he goes on to talk about the earth. He says, God answers prayer. And then he goes on to talk about, to talk about the earth. And this is, again, another important uh, insight from the Bible. As it says in, uh, in verse 8, 
uh, when morning dawns or your evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. So the earth is made by God for his glory and it is, he rules the world for his glory and for our good and for our uh, benefit. You think again of another well-known psalm, Psalm 24, uh, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. God rules the world for for good, for his glory and for, for the benefit of his people. You know, God oversees everything and he, he cares for it and he cares for us as, as his children. And so David moves on in the last, the last verses, verses 9 to 13 of, of this psalm. Even in verse 9 it says, You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. Uh, the streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain. For so you have ordained it. So God cares about our food. God cares about the things that, that we eat. He, he provides, quite literally provides, uh, the things that we eat. And he says in verse 11, You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. Now God is not a God of, of austerity, but a God of generosity. God is a, a plenteous, a generous God who, who provides uh, far more than uh, just a, you know, a, a, a slice of bread and a cup of water, um, which is what we would need to survive, isn't it? But God provides far more generously uh, than that. And it says in verse uh, 13, the meadows are covered with flocks, the valleys are mantled with corn, they shout for joy and sing. That's the response to God's creation, shouting for joy, singing. It's, it's the response of creation, a good creation, responding to its creator in the way that, that God has set up the world with beauty and all of these, these other wonderful things for us. Because God intends us to take joy in his creation and in the harvest. Now God intends the harvest celebration to be a, a celebration of joy when we can celebrate the fact that God does provide us with, with so many things, so many wonderful and varied things. And uh, God gives out of his generosity. And it's his giving because we live in his, in his world. He provides for us. So what, can we, what lessons can we take from this into, into the coming week? What lessons can we learn? I think the first thing is to say that there isn't a, a sacred and secular divide. That everything is spiritual. Everything is, is spiritual. If you just turn over to Isaiah, for example, chapter uh, 28. Isaiah chapter 28, verses 23 to 29. This is what it says. Of course, you don't have your um, Bibles there, do I? I keep thinking that you've got Bibles, and I keep forgetting, sorry, that you've got them. Uh, this is what it says, Isaiah 28, 23 to 29. Listen and hear my voice. Pay attention and hear what I say. When a farmer ploughs for planting, does he plough continually? Does he keep on breaking up and working the soil? When he has levelled the surface, does he not sow caraway and scatter cumin? Does he not plant wheat in its place, barley in its plot, and spelt in its field? 
His God instructs him and teaches him the right way. And again, he talks uh, about, um, about the harvest and caraway and cumin. And it says, all this comes from the Lord Almighty, whose plan is wonderful, whose wisdom is magnificent. So I think even the farmer is taught by God. Now that farming is, is not something that God doesn't care anything about. But even, even these things which we might think of as being purely secular are things which, which God cares about. And God teaches even. And you think about the dignity that God gives to our everyday things. The dignity that God gives to, to everyday um, uh, jobs and tasks that we have to do. And this is just exactly how God made uh, us human beings. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, God says to the man, to Adam, to, uh, to work the garden and take care of it. And um, if you look, that same word is used in Numbers chapter 3, verse 7, and it's used in elsewhere. But Numbers chapter 3, verse 7, where it says about the priests, they are to perform duties for him and for the whole community at the tent of meeting by doing the work of the tabernacle. Isn't that interesting? That Adam was commanded to work the garden and take care of it. And the priests are commanded to work, same word, work the temple. When we do what God made us to, when we, when we do what we're created to do as human beings, we are serving God in his temple, which is the universe. There isn't a divide between the sacred and the secular. You know, we need to bring those things uh, together. So what does that mean? It means that we should seek God in everything, because God cares about everything. I think so often, and I, I still find this in my own life, that there are things which I think, oh, God won't care about that. I don't need to pray about that. I don't need to ask for his help or, or anything about that. Um, and the truth is that there is nothing which God doesn't, doesn't care about. From the our jobs, our, you know, if you're a farmer or whatever your, your jobs may be, uh, about family, about uh, hobbies, or all of those things. God cares and God wants, God wants us to, to kind of fulfil the, the things that he's, he's given us as human beings. And we should give praise and thanks to him in everything. As we see with, with the harvest, that everything, all of the good things that God gives us, whether that be physical, material things, whether that be our families, or our friends, or our homes, or whatever that may be, um, God is a good God who gives uh, good gifts, and we should give praise to him in everything. But most of all, we should seek him as a saviour. And we uh, saw this right at the beginning, didn't we, that... Um, uh, it says, when we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. And that is, the, uh, that is the thing, isn't it? That it's when we come to God as a saviour, when we come to him for forgiveness, then we really know him as a God who blesses us and who saves us and who can give us uh, all of these other things. Because sin is what spoils the world at the end of the day. And it's why we're not living in the world that we know um, is, is right. It's sin that spoils it. So we need to seek God, give thanks to him, and we especially need to seek him as a saviour, one who can save us from our sins and free us uh, to serve him. 
So let's, uh, let's give thanks to him and let's remember the message of harvest this week. Amen.